It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello, modern lovers, and talking about sexy bodies, well, I wonder if you feel very sexy after you've lost your life partner or spouse. Catherine Webster has written a book called, uh, well, let's see, could have been called Confessions of a Badass Widow because she takes no prisoners when it comes to how she rebuilt her life. Her book is actually called Becoming Madam Widow. And today our special guest is going to talk about how she did rebuild her life using three key questions. And I think whatever trauma you might be facing, whether it's the loss of a loved one, could be the loss of a job. Many people have lost homes and so many other losses. We've been through, all of us, our share of heartache and heartbreak. And her three questions, I think, are going to help anyone going through trauma redefine life after a tragedy or loss. The three questions, I'm going to give you the questions now, then Catherine and I are going to dig deep. The questions are, who am I now? What weaknesses are holding me back, and how can I conquer them? How can I reinvent myself to be who I truly choose to be? So you can play with those questions, and Catherine's also going to share very practical tools for rebuilding your life, particularly if it's after the death of a spouse or any personal tragedy. Her book Becoming Madam Widow, her website, www.catherine, with a K, catherinewebster.com. First, we're going to get our question with Ask Dr. Brenda. So today's question, and I love it when you send your questions in, everyone. Keep those coming. This one is to the point. I am unhappy in my relationship because my partner 
who keeps promising he'll bring in half of what we need to live on, keeps dropping the ball. He's been fired over and over again or flakes on his work. Am I crazy to hang in here? Ah, Okay, crazy. Look, I don't think you're crazy, but I do think the two of you need to get down to brass tacks. Clearly, there's a problem. And speaking of questions you should answer, how about this question? Where did you learn that all you deserved was to settle for less than you deserve? You deserve to have a partner who keeps their word, who does bring in what he says he's going to bring in. And if he's not doing it, the two of you need to quickly get thyselves into some qualified couples counseling. And I say qualified because they're therapists who see couples and they're couples specialists. Get thyself to a specialist and look at what's going on under the surface. Is he secretly longing to be rescued and taken care of? Are you somebody who feels like it's your job to take care of everything all the time for everybody? I don't know. But I do know something's wrong, and you better fix it because it's not going to change itself. You have to change it. Thanks for your question. All right. Welcome to the show, Catherine Webster. So happy to have you with us. Well, thank you for so much for having me. I will admit I've been listening to your shows, and I am now addicted. Oh, So thank I'm enjoying you. them a great deal. Thank you. Well, I'm addicted, too, because we have a great audience. We get great questions. And best of all, I get to talk with wonderful, interesting people like you. And we've never had a guest on the show before. You are the first to talk about what happens after you've gone through a tragedy or a loss. And that is so much a part of life, but it's certainly the hard part of life. And I would say looking at the life stress unit scale, of course, where we measure how severe a trauma is by giving it points. Death of a spouse has the most points of anything you could go through. And right under that is divorce. And I believe third from the top is losing a job or long-term illness in the family. So we're up at the top of the scale, everybody. Catherine's talking about the most severe experiences, and how do we deal with it? Now, I want to well, ask, I'm sorry, Catherine, I want to just first quote something from your book that I really liked. You say, in every life, there will be a moment, one single, I can't even pronounce, apocal moment, when something radically deviates from all your well-laid plans, something so radical and earth-shattering, it will forever change the person you are. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. So, Catherine, go right ahead. Take us away. Well, in terms of my situation, my life essentially ended when my husband died, but only as I had come to know it. You see, uh, I would describe myself, and I do describe myself on the back of my book as being an intransigent type of woman. I was... I was I was very stubborn, I was very single-minded, I was a very strong personality. I was the ultimate modern woman as we have we have begun to evolve into this kind of woman. Yeah, now how where long were we, you married? Can you tell us just 15 a little years. more about this? I was with my husband 15 years and yeah. and he and I were total opposite personalities. He was a very kind, gentle, 
uh, loving person who rarely got angry. I was the opposite of that, and I felt that I had all the answers. My husband came from a very wealthy family, and he was awaiting an inheritance where I felt that I had to write my own ticket. And to a certain degree, I felt that he was holding me back. So the end of our marriage, at the end of 15 years, I felt we were really coming to the end of our marriage and we were going to split up. And then suddenly he died. Oh, and, I, what happened? and he How died, and it was the ultimate die? shock for me. He, yeah. he died very suddenly. He was not ill. He was a very healthy person. But it was almost as though this was a destiny for me and also for him. And it was, a, it, was, it was the ultimate shocking and humbling experience. Mm. And it took me back to a place where I started to, at that point after I looked after the estate issues and we buried him, that that was when the question emerged, who am I now? Wow. And I had the great so the marriage opportunity. was in trouble, but you certainly weren't expecting him to no. die at that point. Yeah. No, and, and I dedicate this, this book Becoming Madam Widow to him, and I do say uh, to about him that there were things I wish I would have said to you, and things I wish I hadn't. Mm. Because, and I so think many people are in this situation. That, yes, about relationship, we can look. Well, sure. Back I mean, people. Say, Boy, there are a lot a of things there that I need to clean up. Mm-hmm. So, for you, what was the biggest takeaway when you said it was humbling, and there were things you wish? You had said to your husband, what are some of those things? Well, I never told my husband that I appreciated the things he did because I didn't realize what he did until after he was no longer doing them. Mm. Um, I ended up having to do things uh, relating to the house, relating to uh, finances, relating to a whole series of activities that I took for granted. And now all of a sudden, instead of just doing my part, of the work I was also doing mine and his and trying to manage a whole series of things. My husband had, when he died, he left me with a series of debts and financial is one of at the top of the list of things that you're going to be frightened of is the lack of money or how to manage it. But before you move on, Catherine, I want to underline what you said. Uh I mean, if people don't take anything else away from what you're saying today, I would like everybody to write down what Catherine said, which is appreciate what your partner is doing now. Because it's so easy to overlook the contributions others are making to our lives and to forget to say, I appreciate you. I mean, that in and of itself is hugely valuable to be grateful. So thank you for saying that, Catherine. Oh, absolutely, because he, we enjoyed certain things, and I overlooked them in my quest for for the ultimate success, you see. So I looked at him, and I told him on several occasions, which I felt very guilty about, that I thought he was weak. In the midst of anger, I would tell him, you're not working hard enough, and you're weak, and you're preventing me from all of this success that I know I could enjoy in my life because you're not supporting me, and, and all of these kinds of things. So this led to some serious issues in our relationship at the end, and yeah, when so he part was, of what you're saying is coming out of this tragedy, you can look back. And everyone, uh-huh. I want you to get on the train with Catherine. If you've gone through tragedy, look back. What could you have done better? That's a super important takeaway. And for those of you who have not 
experience tragedy, count yourselves lucky. Most of us are going to get a turn at that. And just ask yourself, because I I know a little bit about it, Catherine. My children's father dropped dead very suddenly, and our family was in terrible chaos and disarray, and there's all kinds of fallout from that. But it's important to say now, how can I do it differently now, starting with one of the A's that we teach in our programs here at Modern Love Training, Catherine, one of the A's is appreciation. Because we do, as a rule, forget to practice appreciation of our partners and our loved ones, or even friends. So That's because we're so we're so wrapped up in our own activities and accomplishments and and our goals, and it's it's not a bad thing to have goals, but you do have to take a look at those around you and try and recognize what your life would be like if they were suddenly not in your life. Yeah, there's a question for you. What would it's your life finality, be like if they were suddenly not there? It's the and the fragility of life mm-hmm. that people don't respect or appreciate during the time that the people are with you. I mean, I look at it now, and I think that when my husband was in hospital, because he died very quickly. I mean, he went in and had some surgery, and they gave him a blood thinner, and that's what killed him, not the surgery. So, mm-hmm. and, and before that, he had this, these revelations of things that he was going to do, and yes, he'd been negligent and so on, but it was at that point too late. So I was given this luxurious opportunity to take my vulnerability and to reinvent myself and to be the person that I always knew that I needed to be. I had a fear of success. So you had I had to a dig lot in. of things. What's the biggest thing that you learned about yourself after your husband died? Like what would be um, at the top of your list? Well, that I didn't know as much as I thought, that it was humbling for me, mm. that life was fragile and that the things that I thought that mattered didn't matter as much as I had originally thought, that all of the material acquisitions, all the success, uh, everything that we strive for on a daily basis, it's important, but that there was this whole business of n- you're not going to die at the same moment unless you're in the notebook, that right. somebody's going to die first. And the one that's left behind is the one that's going to have to clean up the mess that's inside of themselves. I had a chance to look at myself and recognize that I was more fearful than I recognized. I was more, uh, I had a fear of success. I was preventing myself from doing things myself. He wasn't preventing me. I was preventing myself. And, you know, that is a huge, again, a huge awareness Because when we're busy pointing the finger at the other person, you're stopping me, you're the problem, what that means is we've got work to do on the inside, everybody. So please, please make a note. Catherine is throwing out some giant breadcrumbs that we want to follow. These are lessons we can learn now. We don't have to wait for tragedy to strike, to say, hey, what in me am I projecting? onto the other person, because so often our own fears. You know, Catherine, over the years, I can't even count how many couples I've worked with. You know, being on tour, going around the country, other parts of the world, I would have to guess thousands of couples. And it's important to say, what am I projecting on to my partner? My own inadequacy, my own fear, my own feeling I can't get there, therefore it must be their fault. You're illuminating some of the core issues 
that relationships are wrapped around, and I so appreciate you for that. Now, I have another question. For you, what was the biggest challenge that you faced in becoming a widow? Because you certainly have dug in and started getting some of the deep core learning from the experience, but what was your biggest challenge? I was a little shocked and I've discussed this with other people who have experienced it, and, and men too, I was a little shocked about the people in my life. I was surprised that um, that I thought that people would be so sympathetic to me for a long period of time when, in fact, they were sympathetic for a couple of weeks and then they wanted to go back to their lives and expected in some way that I would go back and reinvent myself and come back to us when you've reinvented yourself. And they, were, they, they stopped being, being sympathetic, and you, you have your, your own length of time to grieve. I mean, it might be a year or two or five, or depending on your relationship and your own personal um, ways of dealing with this kind of thing. But after a couple of weeks, I found that people who were friends, see, married people tend to socialize with other married couples. Right. And right. once you become a single person, you are no longer a member well, of that Well, I'm club. going to say, I'm wondering, and you have to tell me what you think about this, I find that that's not so true when it's a single man as it is when it's a single woman. Well, my experience being a woman, I noticed that I was left off the list, the, the, the guest list for barbecues and functions exactly. very quickly. Exactly. Because the women didn't want me around. I mean, they were initially exactly. very sympathetic. I think and a then single all sudden, man is going to fare much better than a single woman. No, no, because I had lunch with a man last year whose wife had passed away, and he said the biggest shock to him was that people who had been their friends as couples didn't want him around, and there was a reason for that. People... As much as we want to tell people plan ahead and be aware and be appreciative and, you know, take a look at yourself, they're not going to do it. They'll listen to this and they'll go off into their lives and do whatever. He yeah, said I understand that, people... that that man uh, was left out, but I, I have to tell you, having worked with so many people over the years, that's actually rare what you just described. It's really? It's my experience, yeah, that men are more likely to be folded in, that the wives try to fix him up and get him up and running or whatever kind of partnership he's in, uh, the man gets better treatment than the women. That's been my observation over the years. So this guy was one of the few men who got dropped. Well, but, he did, uh, and he said he yeah. said that that was a shock to him because he expected that things would go on, and that was the one thing that troubled him the most. Right, I However, understand. I will say... Yeah. As a woman, though, you know, people will look at you and say they expect men to get on a little better, and they look at a woman and say she's so vulnerable, maybe she'll get married again, how is she going to manage? I mean, I talked to people, my neighbor at the country house we had said to me, you know, my pastor died and his wife is having a really tough time. And so I had all these negative stories. How was I going to get along? People well, how were sympathetic. Did you? Because with all that going on, how did you overcome your grief and your fears about being alone? Because those are very real. Uh, well, first of all, I stayed away from people who were negative and, and were thinking small. And I tried, I only used my example of being a widow when I needed it and when I needed help with heavy lifting or technical issues on, on my computer. Then I decided that I just had to reinvent myself. Mm -hmm. 
and I had to reinvent myself as a new kind of a person and a new woman, and I had to you know ignore the idea of anyone fixing me up with anyone that soon because certainly I had to determine who I was before I went into and what my did next you relationship. Use as your your tool to reinvent yourself, how did you go about it? Well, I had a series of problems that I had to solve, and I had to use whatever tools that I had in my mind and my arsenal to do that. I mean, my husband left me with some real financial struggles, and so I had to deal with them, and I had to be as creative as I could. And I did ask for some help and advice, but quite frankly, I I just figured out how to do them on my own by just doing them. I mean, when there was a problem, I'd say, okay, I'll just try this, and if it doesn't work, I'll try something else. And I came through solving. The problems always seemed bigger than they were. They really weren't that difficult. Yeah, and that makes sense because, you know, when you're grieving, this is a real thing, as my children would say. And the thing is your brain is underwater when you're grieving. A shock, a tragedy, a loss that is sudden, anything like that literally changes brain chemistry. So everything feels harder. It feels heavier. It looks bigger. So you're not just you know, making something up, that's a real part of the process of grieving. Well, you are operating. You've lost a lot of neurotransmitters and you've lost a lot of the hormonal support that the brain usually Mm. supports, supports us with. So I just want to underline that so nobody's going around going, oh, my God, what's wrong with me? It looks big and it looks heavy. That's because you don't have your fully functioning brain. Well, you will operate to a certain degree on automatic pilot. There's no question. But the thing is that solving the problems also provides you with an opportunity, and it does help in the process of renewal for you. You see, because you are trying to reinvent yourself. So it gives you a feeling of empowerment yes. when you do solve yes. the problems. So how to sell the car, how to cut the lawn, what are you going to do about the snow removal? Or you have to deal with the tax department, which was a huge thing for me because my husband and I had a business and he had neglected to pay some sales taxes a couple of years earlier and it had blossomed into this massive problem and there was a lien on my house. And when yeah. I, when you go and talk to the tax department, they don't care if you're a widow. Right. They so just one want their of the money. things you're saying is there's something that can be learned from solving the problem at the same time. I'm going to put this in again. I want anyone who's going through the grieving process to give yourself some time and space for the grief. And don't be hard on yourself if you can't get it all done quickly and efficiently because you do have to have time to recover physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And along those lines, Catherine, what was the biggest support that you were able to garner for yourself? What helped you the most? I had a phrase that I told myself, a couple of them actually, but one in particular, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to die. It's an A or a B and there's nothing in between. I have a, a black or a white opportunity. I'm either going to solve this problem or I'm, I'm going to cease to exist. I'm not going to wallow and I'm not going to fade. And okay, so you so went I at it with continue. a pretty tough attitude and you kind of got yourself by the scruff of the neck and pulled yourself forward. And that's I one had way no to choice. do it. That's well, one that, way for to me, do I felt I had no other choice. 
I felt now, that... Now, did you ever uh, go to... I'm just curious, because there's some things that I typically recommend for people going through profound loss, like going to a grief group or going to a group for people who've lost their partners or therapy. Were you able to access any of those kinds of services to get help? I chose not to. I know that they're around, and for some people it's important because they might be more social than I was. I felt that I needed to ruminate on this situation myself. So I would make a lot of lists. I would sit by the fireplace, and I would sort of focus on this. I would use a lot of meditation, and I would say, okay, just get through the day and do as much as you can and not any more and not any less. And then at the end of the day, make a list of three great things that happened today and then sleep and get up and start again tomorrow. That's very nice, the list of three great things. And I would add, in the midst of grieving, one tool that I have found to be very effective is to also write that gratitude list. What am I grateful for? When you say three great things, you're kind of getting right into that territory of the things that we're there to be grateful for. Because it does remind us life does keep moving forward. Some way, somehow, as one of my friends says, I'll get through this. So, Catherine, how did your friends and family members react to the choices you were making? Well, people have a very difficult time discussing the fragility of life, and no one ever wants to think about death. Even today, and my husband died in 2015, so we're going on to four years. If I tell someone that I'm a widow, they say, oh, I'm so sorry. And and I really don't even like to tell anyone because the word widow seems almost to consume itself. I, I really don't want people to feel sorry for me, but people are uncomfortable with it. My family was supportive at first, but they expected me to get on with it. I was vulnerable in the early going Things that bothered me then that people would say and do that that would would reduce me to an emotional puddle on the floor would not bother me today. So I can look over my shoulder and say that everything that I did has helped me with a whole uh, series of problems and I've grown. And so I love the three questions that you put out in the book. And again, everyone, the book is called Becoming Madam Widow. And it's about redefining life after tragedy. But you have these questions. Who am I now? What things are holding me back? And how can I conquer them? And how can I reinvent myself? And I'm curious, how did you reinvent yourself? How would you describe yourself today compared to the woman you were when you were married? Today I have real strength. And previously I think I was more of a paper tiger. I have a lot more humility than I had because I've had to solve all the problems myself and I also have a lot more compassion for those who are suffering tragedy where I used to be very direct and say oh just get up and do it now I understand that there's a period where you're very vulnerable and that you are frightened and that you feel worry and that you feel hopelessness and that those who have gone through a situation like this and have come through it are in a better position to help others who may be going through it in the future or are going through it right now. Yeah, so I agree with I you. I like myself so better one, now. Well, this is one of the reasons for people to read your book, 
And if you have a friend, and I have a sister who just became a widow a week ago, I'm certainly Mm. going to get the book for her because it is a super vulnerable time. I, I like that word that you used. One feels vulnerable. The world as you know it has changed forever. And I have deep, deep compassion for what that change can mean, you know, going through it in my own life. It's it's a shocking, challenging thing. And I believe, Catherine, in what you said, which is that you certainly are going to learn something if you go down that path of asking those questions. And basically it's it's once I get through the vulnerability and the really hard part, and again, I'm going to recommend that people get support, that you go to therapy, you join a group, because what Catherine said about others who've gone down the path helping you, it's true. It's true. Someone can say, yeah, I know you feel like warmed over death today, but the time is coming. And I promise you that time is coming. I've been on the road. And you believe somebody if they've been on the road, you're on. So, Catherine, you get the last word. What is your best advice to someone who is going through this very profound life experience of facing tragedy and the loss of a loved one? Well, recognize that although you're right now in the depths of despair or grief or pain or loneliness and fear, recognize that although you will, you will not be happy the way you were, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be happy. Mm. And that's what you need to work toward. It's going to simply be a new chapter in your life where you can, you can design your own happiness, you can design your own life, and you have the luxury and the opportunity now to do it and do everything that you always thought that you never could do. Now is the time, and you've been given that gift. Ah, beautiful. Thank you. That's great advice. And for those who want to learn more, go to Catherine's website, catherinewebster.com, pick up her book. And, you know, we're big believers in books here at Modern Love Training, Modern Love Radio. You can download it to your iPad, but get that book and really focus on how these lessons can be applied wherever you are on your life journey, particularly if you or someone you care about has suffered a loss. And, Catherine, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today. And I love thank the you. cover of the book. Very racy. Very Thank you very cover. much. Well, that was based, if I may say, on a painting that I did. And I submitted the painting. To, it was an oil painting to my uh, publisher. Oh, and they said, let's take this into a That's line drawing. Right. Thank and you show so much. A vulnerable I, we have to woman. leave it there only because of time. I want to thank our executive producer, Mr. LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Mr. Cliff Dunning, and Modern Lovers. Stay tuned if you're listening to this podcast before November 10th. We have a live full-day training in our Modern Love Training Center, and it's going to be a tour de force all about creating the love that you want, you need, and you have always desired. All right, we'll be with you then. Blessings. Goodbye.
Is your check engine light on? Don't ignore it. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today and let our professional parts people scan your vehicle for free. We'll retrieve the codes, discuss possible solutions, and even help you find a professional technician if needed. Visit O'Reilly Auto Parts today for our free check engine light help. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.